At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Bet River Sportsbook takes playoff football same-game parlays to a whole other level. Combine same-game parlays from different playoff games to give you even more ways to create your ideal selection. In addition, BetRivers has added even more same-game parlays and props for the playoffs. It pays to play the playoffs with BetRivers. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to explore all the new ways you can create your ideal combo. This is the Denver City Cast with Holden Kushner, presented by Bet Rivers. Hey, it's Holden with Veasan. It is the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Thanks for hanging out with me here today. Got a great show set up. My buddy Ian St. Clair, play Colorado. I'm going to talk to him about the Denver Broncos coaching search. We'll talk a little NFL playoffs and the Denver Nuggets as well. Speaking of the Nuggets, get into them in just a second. Kevin Rogers, Vegas Insider, breaking down the NFL playoffs as well. I got a little Nuggets to talk here off the top. I got some Colorado State basketball off the top and then a quick thought on the uh, betting line here for the Broncos' next head coach. So we'll start with this. We cashed the Nuggets bet last night. This game did go under the 113 and a half, and it went under big time. I mean, neither team scored 90 points in this game. Um, it was just too high. The total was way too high for the number of players missing from the Clippers, including Paul George. And then you look at the Nuggets, the slow pace. Again, that was a big reason why. And the Clippers are just awful. Uh, offensively, fourth worst offensive rating in the NBA. And they're just not going to put up points uh, without Paul George. Um, Barton didn't play, so we got a, a nice little boost there. I know we were rooting for the Nuggets to win, but Barton didn't play. That helped the other, under as well. Uh, a couple other things. A lot of talk yesterday. I know a lot of people in the business that were betting all the unders on Jokic and Marcus Morris. Okay, because some people actually thought the two would get into a brawl on the court, which was asinine. It's just not going to happen. Uh, first of all, you know that the referees came over and they said, eh, nothing's going to happen here. You guys, anything, the littlest thing, you're out. Uh, I really do believe that. You know, Morris, all bark, no bite. Jokic, he, he just wants to put the thing behind him. Uh, ultimately, Jokic got the better of him, although Morris did sink one jumper with Jokic in his face. But... You know, it was all Jokic last night. Uh, Joker and Gordon, listen, th this thing, a massive collapse by the Nuggets, but Nuggets had a chance to win it. Jokic shoots a three with about three or four seconds left, misses. Aaron Gordon with the putback, almost goes in. 
So another double digit lead squandered and they've now lost, the Nuggets have lost seven of 24 games that they've owned a double digit lead. Just too many collapses there. Blazers visiting our hometown tomorrow night. So we'll see if we can figure out a play for that game. But again, cash the Nuggets bet the game under against the Clippers. Let's move on to the college side. You know, I love betting college basketball. I love the big sky. I love the Mountain West. And what do we have here? Colorado State hosting Utah State. I'm going to have a show play for you here. Now, CSU, as recently as last week, was ranked 20th in the nation. Then they go to San Diego State and they got their butts kicked. 79-49. I get it. The voters look at that. You score 49 points on the road. You get blown out by a conference opponent. Uh, you know, I look at it like this. Colorado, Colorado State has played two games, two, uh, since December 11th. So I think this third game, they get their legs back under them. Everything's going to start getting a little bit more comfortable. But if you'll remember, there's a couple of games, and I split them. I split the totals here. You, I think it was the Air Force game. You had both teams not playing for a while. They came out sluggish and went to an under. The other one went to the over. Uh, but... I don't think that's going to be a factor in this game. Aggies have won seven of eight against the Rams. Woo, and I don't like the side here, but that's 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 big right there. Uh, we got two of the top three scoring offenses in the WAC as well. We've got uh, Colorado State, uh, the WAC. Try the Mountain West. Duh. All right, in the in the Mountain West, Colorado State second with seventy nine point two points per game. Uh, Utah State, the Aggies, 78 points per game, and they're third right there. So we got two teams offensively that can really light it up, okay? Colorado State, though, coming off, uh, I, I wouldn't call them completely dis dismal performances, although that last one against San Diego State uh, definitely was. So we also have two teams in the Mountain West that shoot very well. Colorado State leads the league in shooting 50.3%. Utah State second, 48.7%. Uh, Three-point shooting. The Rams second in the WAC, 39.9%. Aggies are third, 36.7%. So I think you know where I'm going here. I think there could be a lot of offense in this game. Uh, we've got Colorado State shooting 28% from the field and 15% beyond the arc against San Diego State. You really think that's going to happen again? I don't think that happens again. I think some issues that they had, though, allowing San Diego State to shoot 48% behind the arc was a little bit concerning. But again, it's one game. I want to rip that up and throw it out. It actually was 48% from the field, 47% beyond the arc, which is just ridiculous. You know, is that going to happen again against Utah State? I don't, I, I don't know if it's going to be that bad, but I could see Utah State putting up some nice numbers beyond the arc as well. So the Rams just look putrid offensively against the Aztecs. I'm looking for them to bounce back here. Again, two games since December 11th. That's not good. I set this total, and they have played a couple of games over the last eight days, which is why I'm feeling good about them getting back into the mix. I set this line at 150 and a half, and I thought that was actually going to be a little bit low uh, because I think that the book looked at this last game from Colorado State and said, wow, maybe they're not for real. Uh, so here's my show bet today. I already bet the over 148 and a half on Bet Rivers at minus 108. So again, over 148 and a half on Bet Rivers at minus 108. That is going to be the show play 
today. Now, lastly, before we get to Ian St. Clair from Play Colorado, uh, there are some numbers floating out there as far as handicapping the next Broncos coach, head coach, and that's something I've been doing since Monday. It's just a lot of fun. I'm actually going to have one of the traders from Bet Rivers hop on tomorrow's show, and we're going to talk about how you come up with the NFL lines. If he were to handicap the Broncos head coaching search, how do you do that? So here's what I had. Now, Dan Quinn, I set, I set it at, a, at 150, plus 150 for him to be the overwhelming favorite uh, to be the Broncos head coach. Why? Relationship with Dan Quinn. I just think it's very, very easy to connect the dots there why Dan Quinn would be the front runner. Um, so I had him at 150. The industry is settling around 175. So I was actually pretty close there. Uh, number two, I had Nathaniel Hackett right in the mix. Uh, plus 650, though. And he's out there at plus 650. Wow. That actually might not be a bad bet if you see that. Because I had him at plus 350. I think he's right there behind Dan Quinn uh, in the mix. And then my guy, Biennemi, uh, the industry has him around 750. I got him at plus 500. So I think, you know, Hackett and Biennemi are the value plays here. Uh, again, Quinn is the overwhelming favorite. I know the industry had him around 300. That thing was quickly bet down uh, to 175. So again, if you're just looking around, if you're shopping for that, that's uh, those are my odds. And those are the, the two big ones that really stand out to me, Hackett and Biennemi. More on the Broncos head coaching search, more on the NFL playoffs, more on the Nuggets with Jokic and Morris with my boy, Ian St. Clair from Play Colorado next on the Denver City Cats presented by Bet Rivers. Being a homer has its perks at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Every day, Bet Rivers offers a special hometown discount on parlays involving local teams. To get your hometown discount, just open the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app and check the daily specials to place your bet on a unique parlay with hometown teams and players. Then root, root, root for the home team and win together. Bet today on the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app or go to betrivers.com. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. It is the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. And every Wednesday, we have Ian St. Clair on from Play Colorado. Uh, he's busy, man. They, they got Arizona. Now you got New York. Hello, my friend. We're going to talk some Broncos head coaching odds, some NFL playoffs as well. But how are you, my friend? What's It's a little busy in your world these days, huh? It is a little busy with New York launching and, and running PlayNewYork.com, PlayNY, and Colorado now with the coaching search underway after the Broncos fired Vic Fangio and now with the right of first refusal trial being decided and opening up the last hurdle for the Broncos to be sold. So it's, yeah, it's incredibly busy, but incredibly fun. Let's talk about that for a second with the sale before we get into anything else. I do think it's interesting having a coaching search with a general manager, but not an owner of a team. That's that that kind of raises the question, would anybody pass up this job because there is an ownership? I have a hard time believing that, especially if the coach is getting a four year deal. But uh, what is your sense? Which direction are we going with ownership? When does this thing get done? A um, lot of questions we all have, Ian. What are the questions or answers that you have? There's a lot of speculation. Obviously, the name that gets thrown around a lot is Jeff Bezos. And when you're the richest man in the world and you have money 
to spend at will and not have a dent in your paycheck or your bank account, then that makes sense. And he's been linked to the NFL. Jason Lockenfora with CBS Sports reported, a, I think it was last year at some point, that he met with Roger Goodell. He was in the box for the Rams and Patriots Super Bowl. I don't know if that's going to happen. I know Woody Page, the longtime sports columnist here in Denver, has laid out some scenarios, and he said that actually John Elway is in one group and Peyton Manning is in the other group. If I had my pick, I would go with Peyton Manning because oh, I yeah. want to get fresh. I want to get fresh blood into the Broncos. I want fresh eyes. I want a complete change, and I think Peyton Manning would do that. Obviously, he'd be the minority stake owner in that situation because he's not going to have the money to put up to buy the Broncos. Last I looked, Forbes had them at $3.2 billion. And to be an NFL owner, you have to have 30% of the purchase price to be yeah. the majority owner. So we'll see what happens. There's a lot of speculation, not a lot of answers at this point. Joe Ellis has said that it is going to move quickly. I think after the head coach is when we'll get the announcement on the sale of the Broncos. And keep in mind that whoever the trust and the Bolin heirs want to go with, has to get approved by the 31 other or other other owners at the March league meetings. And that's why Elway and Peyton Manning are so important, right? You got to get one of these guys on, brings credibility to the owners. I, I And again, I don't know what their role would be really, maybe a, a face of the franchise again or a figurehead, but there's no question just because Peyton Manning or John Elway are going to be here. Are they really going to have any personnel decisions? Could you see that happening with Elway again at this point? Or do you think he's completely out of it? Uh, based on the last six years, I don't want Elway involved in any of that. Uh, with Peyton Manning, the thing that stands out to me is obviously he is beloved by NFL circles with the, uh, the, Matt, the both of the Mannings, Eli and Peyton, doing the Monday night gig. He's still doing his commercials. He is the face of this organization still after being retired for five years. So I, I, that's where I'm leaning. And the thing that stands out to me about Peyton Manning is he still does the Manning Passing Academy. So he can help them solve this giant issue at quarterback because he's seen all of them. He knows the quarterbacks. He knows the position. And that's where I think it could be a benefit as to whether he has a role in personnel or decisions on the coaching staff or that I don't know I do think that he would be the guy that I think the league would prefer over John Elway just because he is the face he's the most recent player he won a Super Bowl in the last six years and he was just inducted into the Hall of Fame so that would be where I think the league would lean if they're going to go with uh, a group as opposed to one sole owner you know what's fascinating to me, too, is that Peyton Manning, it seems as though the Broncos are his team and not the Colts. Like yep. He spent the overwhelming majority of his, his career in Indianapolis. He's got a statue outside. Yet you see him here more than anything else. Doesn't he have a home here still, too? It, it, is. it really it's is amazing home. the bond between Peyton Manning and Denver in the small amount of time that they had here. And it seems like everybody forgets You know, he stunk the Super Bowl year. He comes in in relief, finally gets the job back in the playoffs and everything. But he, to me, really seems more of a Bronco than a Colt. And I, I wonder what you feel like. And I wonder also if we're a little bit biased because we're here in Denver. <laughs> well, I think if you look at it, whenever there are social media posts, he's at the Broncos facility. 
He goes to the Broncos facility for practices more than he does the Colts. And he does live here. His majority home is in Denver. So he and his wife with his two kids moved here. He's at Nuggets games all the time. I don't think he's gone to Avs games, which is weird because they've been the better team. But <laughs> I, 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 no doubt. I mean, he retired as a Bronco. That, that can't be lost on people. When he announced his retirement, he did it as a Bronco. He did it at the Broncos facility where he gave that great speech. And that can't be lost on people. He didn't go to Indianapolis until, what, like a week later, I think. So there's no doubt. I think he views himself as a Bronco more than a Colt. And I think that's the because of the way Jim Irsay and the Colts treated him after his neck surgery. Okay, and let's go on to the, the head coaching search here. Now we got 10 candidates. Are you surprised Brian Flores is not on the list or has not been uh, contacted to be interviewed at this point? Or... Is it just something where the Broncos say, all right, that's not the guy we're looking for. Maybe he, he was not, I don't want to say the word obedient because I kind of feel like that's just, but he didn't listen to what the Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, wanted him to do. Why do you think the Broncos have not put Flores on, on display yet or at least set up an interview with him? Because it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me either based okay. on the success that he's had in Miami. And with Stephen Ross at your, as your owner, it's nearly impossible to have success with the Dolphins. So it, it doesn't make sense to me, but I, I wonder how much of this is driven by past interactions with New York or new, former New England Patriots and Bill Belichick's assistance. And I wonder if that's tying into this at all, especially from Joe Ellis's standpoint. And I get it. Everyone is saying that this is George Payton's call, but Joe Ellis is still involved and Joe Ellis is the de facto owner. So I have no doubt he'll say no to people. He won't say yes to people, but I have no doubt he'll say no to potential candidates. And I wonder if that's where this is coming from. But that's speculation on my part. I don't understand it. I think Brian Flores is a remarkable football coach. He's one of the few Bill Belichick assistants who's actually had success. And I think now that he has gone through the reins one time as a coach, I think he'll be even better the second time. But there's no doubt the favorite, if you look at any of the sports books and you'll list your own odds, the favorite is Dan Quinn. And I think that's because of the connection between George Payton and Dan Quinn. Yeah, and he should be the overwhelming favorite, by the way. And we'll get into the market in just a second. But Ellis is gone once the new owners are announced, right? Thank like, is he going to have – do you expect him to have any role here anymore? Because I, I know a lot of fans are frustrated with him. I, I sure hope not. It's going to take a while to get the, the stain that he's left on this organization the last six years out of, out of the equation. I, he can't be gone soon enough. Uh, I want John Elway to go with him. It's just time for – it's time for fresh blood. It's time for new eyes. And the way they have done it hasn't worked. And it's time for a change, and it can't happen soon enough. Okay, so let's look at the coaching odds. On Monday, I came up with the odds, my own odds, and then yesterday I adjusted. Now, the market, Bet Rivers does not have this, and I'm going to talk to one of their traders tomorrow about this too, but uh, the market has come out. So talk to me about this. When, when On Monday, when I said, who's going to be the head coach here, I said Dan Quinn plus 400. Uh, we saw plus 350 as much as yesterday. And then we're seeing about 175. Now, yesterday, I recalibrated his odds to plus 150. So that's about where it should be right now. I've said the same thing you're going to say. But the connection between him and Peyton is 
easily the reason why he's the overwhelming favorite here, right? Absolutely. And because he's had experience, because of the success that he's had a defensive coordinator, Broncos fans need no reminder of how good his defense can be. Just look at Super Bowl 48 with the Legion of Boom. And the other thing that is very interesting to me is he has connections to Kyle Shanahan. And as long as the Shanahan name is going to be an NFL, it is going to be tied back to the Broncos. So if there is a way for Dan Quinn to go back to the Kyle Shanahan tree and get his offensive coordinator, and his name escapes me right now, but if he could bring him in from Kyle Shanahan's team at the 49ers currently, and that could be his new offensive coordinator, potentially bringing in Mike Zimmer as his defensive coordinator, there is potential for this to be a, a, a good staff. I don't want to say great because obviously they need to get a quarterback first, but this has the makings of being a good staff. And I, I absolutely think that Dan Quinn is going to be the choice. I would be shocked if it's not. I think they want to move quickly on this because as we've said at the top, the owner, the, the ownership situations in play. And I think Joe Ellis and the, the trust and the, and the bull and heirs want to get, they want to get this over with and, and get it as soon as possible to the rest of the league owners for approval. So I, I think this is going to move pretty quickly. I, I get it that there's 10 guys and they'll interview them all. But at this point, I think it's just. I think they should actually interview Mike McDaniel, the kid you were talking about yeah. with the Niners as their offensive coordinator, but there's just too much risk on the line right now for them to go out and find somebody that has not been in the league that long, but let's look at the other candidates. I mean, just about every one of them is under the age of 40. And, and you don't have Dan Quinn, because um, Quinn's what? He's got to be close to 50 now? I think so. Very interesting. I feel like the head coaching position in the NFL, it's so much different from Major League Baseball. But the thing we've seen in baseball over the last decade, hire young guys. Take their word, take their cue from the general manager. Put that onto the field. Uh, I wonder if the influx of hiring new blood, because it's usually the good old boy system, and I think that's what's going to happen here with Dan Quinn, too. I like the new blood, and I think we're going to see a couple of head coaches here, really young head coaches under the age of 40. And I just don't know if Peyton's going to give that a look at this point. Uh, you've noticed it, too, right? Look at this oh, yeah. list. Bunch yeah. of young dudes. And I, I think it's it's people trying – it's general managers, organizations trying to find the, the next Sean McVay. Yeah. And I and I think that's where it's coming from. And I, the one guy, there's not a lot of I, – I, I'm not I, – I don't really have an opinion one way or another on the rest of the list after Dan Quinn. The one guy that I don't want them to touch as a head coach is Kellen Moore. I have not been impressed with him as an offensive coordinator really? the times that I've watched the Cowboys offense. It's just so inconsistent. And I don't know if that's more because of Dak Prescott or if it's because of his play calling. But I, I think he needs more seasoning. I think he needs more time to grow as a coach, learn the NFL, obviously talk to him. And I think that's what the, the whole purpose of this when you interview so many people, and especially Eric Bieniemy, is to find out what are these other organizations doing? What are these coaching staffs doing that have made them successful just to try to get some sort of inside information. So I'm, let's go back to Quinn here for a second, because one man's trash is another man's treasure. I get it. He was awful uh, after that Super Bowl season. I mean, he stuck around. Arthur Blank just couldn't pull the trigger. He started, what, 0-5 in 2020? 
Um, and, and, and most people there in Atlanta were saying, please get rid of this guy. It's, it's not going to work. You know, he went one and seven in 2019 and then six and two after that. I really wonder if he himself, because the organization with the Falcons has not bounced back from 28 to three. This guy was not a very good head coach after that Super Bowl game, Ian. So yeah, maybe he's a leader of men. Maybe they're going to rely on the assistants more, but like I, I know he's the favorite, but I'm not excited about it. Are you? When I look at the Falcons, I've I, that's an organization that is really it's really confusing because they've had their moments, but it, they can't do anything sustainable. And I wonder how mm-hmm. much of the drop off for the Falcons was losing Kyle Shanahan and not having a replacement to take over for him. I, that that's a big issue. And I obviously Matt Ryan is one of those guys. He's like Matt Stafford. You don't really know what you're going to get. He has so much potential and he's so good. But then he also has these moments where you're watching and you're like, what the heck was that? Why did you do that? So I, 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 I don't want to put it all on Dan Quinn for the drop off. Obviously he's the head coach, so he's going to get the brunt of it. I'm curious to see how he grows. And I think that's the one thing to keep in mind with head coaches and coaches because Bill Belichick wasn't Bill Belichick prior to new England. He did have some success in Cleveland, but nowhere near what he's had obviously the last 20 years with the Patriots. And obviously you can't hope for a coach to have that kind of meteoric rise, but I'm just curious to see how he grows, how he's been able to take what he did in Atlanta and his prior experiences, take what he's learned and hopefully what not to do from Mike McCarthy in terms of game and clock management and grow as a coach. Because I think that's what you look for if you're George Payton, if you're any general manager and you're looking at coaches who have experience, who have been a head coach, had some success, dropped off, is what have you done to grow? How have you grown? What are you going to do to continue to grow and expand? How can you you succeed as a coach in today's NFL? And where are areas that you can improve and take what you did and get better. So when I look at Quinn again, from 2015 to 2020, check this out. The Falcons blew 14 fourth quarter leads. Listen, it all comes back to the coach. And by the way, he's better at challenges than Fangio. 23 challenges, at least he's 10 and 13. That's my shtick when I'm I'm throwing this. Hey, he's not that bad at challenging. So if they do hire Dan Quinn, I'm just going to tell you this now. I think the most important hire would be the offensive coordinator then. Yes. I mean, we saw what a debacle a defensive coordinator as a head coach can be when you have a horrible offensive coordinator. Yep. I don't know the names that are floating out for that. There's allegedly already putting a staff together for Dan Quinn. Would not surprise me. But boy, to me, that's the one they got to get right. Head coach, you, know, you can put a game plan together, in-game management. They all stink at it anyways. To me, biggest hire for him, for Dan Quinn, it's got to be an offensive coordinator. Yes. Agree or disagree? I totally agree. And the one thing I want, and there's been some reports that George Payton is going to be involved in this. Well, we saw that with John Elway. And how did that work out? I don't want George Payton to have any influence on who Dan Quinn picks as his assistant coaches. That should be the head coach's decision. We don't need any more five chefs in the kitchen we need to limit that. So I, but I totally agree with you. It needs to be a, a really good offensive coordinator. 
And if it's McDaniel with the 49ers, so be it. It it ties back to his connection with Kyle Shanahan, and, and that could help give him confidence, give him a comfort as a head coach. But it, it absolutely needs to be an offensive coordinator. And then they need to get a quarterback. And I don't know how they're going to do that. There's obviously names being thrown around, and I'm with you. I don't think any of them are going to happen. But after offensive coordinator, then it's quarterback. But it, it starts with that great offensive coordinator who can remove whatever it was that Pat Shermer was doing the last few years. Oh, it, it was so bad. So I liken the Broncos right now to a house. Okay, you got beautiful marble floors, hardwood, whatever, you know, just a beautiful inside, great kitchen, open kitchen, Ian, you know, for guys our age, you know how important it is. We, we need a nice kitchen too. And then you don't have an owner, a head coach, or a, and you're going to have a head coach or a quarterback. So it's like the frame of the house has not been put up yet. You just got all this beautiful stuff that you know you're going to put into it. So, I mean, even after Dan Quinn is hired, I wonder if if the right ownership is not in place or the wrong message is sent that Broncos country just goes into a shell and says, all right, here we go again. Do you think there's the possibility of that or is hiring the head coach and the next owner two completely separate things? I, I think that it remains to be seen. And I, I, I love your house analogy, but to me, it's like it's taking the foundation of, a really tiny one or two bedroom house and wanting to put a mansion on it. Even better. So that that's where we sit at this point. We have, there's all these pieces in place, but there's no foundation. And I, I think it starts with getting the head coach and then the ownership situation. That's going to be very interesting. Is it going to be one owner who just comes in and like, I'm going to throw uh, what a 300 million at it to become the majority owner. Is it going to be a situation where there's a group, which is why Peyton Manning and John Elway are involved? Which one do they go with? How much is, I mean, obviously the Bolins and the Pat Bolin trust want to get as much money possible. And as I mentioned, they're worth 3.2 billion, according to Forbes. The interesting thing is there have been reports that sports betting is going to increase the value of these franchises does that impact it right away? Because obviously there's sports betting legal in Colorado and the Broncos have partnerships with three sports books. But it starts with the head coach and then the ownership situation will, will soon follow in terms of who they pick as a potential buyer. It's, it's going to be very interesting. I think people are going to be, they're in wait and see mode. They're, they're excited that change is finally happening. But we've been down this road before. What is the change actually going to be something that is going to hold up the mansion blueprint instead of a one or bed one or two bedroom house? So Ian, last thing then on the coaching search. Who's your guy? Who do you want to see head coach? Even though Quinn's probably getting the job. I, I'm gonna go with Dan Quinn. I I, I just I feel okay. like the connection that he has with George Payton, it, it it's the safe hire. And the, I, I will go back to this. What allowed the Broncos to finally stem the tide from the 2006 AFC Championship game and then Mike Shanahan being surprisingly fired. What stemmed that tide finally was John Elway hiring John Fox. And John Fox obviously didn't win a Super Bowl. He couldn't win the big game. 
but he was that steady influence that the franchise needed in that moment. And I think Dan Quinn can be that. I think he can be the guy to get them back into a place where they contend, potentially even go to Super Bowls. He did it with the Falcons. If you can lead the Atlanta Falcons to a Super Bowl, I think you can do it with the Denver Broncos because I think they have a better, like we, we talked about, they have better pieces in place if they can get the quarterback. But oh. I, I, I go with I go with Dan Quinn just because of that steady and ex, that, that steady influence that he can bring and the experience. He had MVP caliber Matt Ryan, you know, and I think that helped him a lot too. I, I'm just not I'm not the Dan Quinn guy. I have a very strong inclination that he is going to be the guy. Uh, but there's a couple. I, I love Nathaniel Hackett, what he's done in Green Bay. I get it. He's had Aaron Rodgers to deal with. He doesn't call the plays. But we keep going back to this. He did he did get Blake Bortles and Allen Robinson, you know, into the playoffs. That was that was not a bad thing. Um and 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 I wish they would talk to Brian Flores. I don't think they're going to. I agree to. with that. You know, to me, he would be number one, but since they're not going to talk to him, it doesn't seem like why bother? So he would be one. Hackett would be two. I'd like to see B enemy at least get a shot. Um, does it, it, was it just too long ago? He's an all American at CU and, and people don't even remember that anymore. And that, does that, would that even have anything? Would that even give him a boost here locally in the, with the fan base or, or no? I don't and think so, right? There's always that tie, but there's also the off-the-field stuff that occurred yeah. when he was in Boulder, and I think that's one of, that's going to be what keeps him from it. In terms of mm. Nathaniel Hackett, the image that keeps going through my mind is Adam Gase. I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to do that again because Adam wow. Gase was viewed just like Nathaniel Hackett is talked about right now. So there, there's that to keep in mind. Now, obviously – if the Broncos were somehow able to get Aaron Rodgers from Green Bay, that would be one of the reasons that they could get it or make it happen is Hackett being here. But aside from that, I, I, I would be weary of Hackett just because of the Adam Gase stuff. That's, I mean, that's a hell of a <laughs> connection to make. Adam Gase, completely incompetent. I have not seen that out of Hackett yet, but okay. I, I get what you're saying. Well, uh, this, another just, something. Just think about Adam Gase yeah. after he had Peyton Manning. Nathaniel Hackett has talked about as being this great offensive coordinator. How much of that is Aaron Rodgers? What is he going to do without Aaron? And I get it, Blake Bortles and Allen Robinson. But yeah. Adam Gase was viewed as the same way. And as soon as he left and didn't have Peyton Manning, well, what happened? Uh, didn't work out. But I think that happens to a lot of guys, right? That happens to a lot of coaches. I think you've got to have at least a serviceable quarterback in order to ultimately be a good head coach. And then there's Belichick, who has a rookie out there that, you know, he's running out there, but he's on a different level. Okay, playcolorado.com. <clears throat> you talk about the odds for the next head coach. I also like this one. Now, unfortunately, just maybe I should duck under my desk after I bring this up. Nine years ago to the day, Flacco, the big pass, you know that. But I do like you putting a positive spin because there's been no playoffs here for six years. What are the top five individual performances in Broncos Super Bowl history? You got DT in 14. You got Atwater in 98. You got Elway in 99. Von Miller in 2016. My God, what a performance there. Uh, what do you have? The strip sack of, of Cam Newton. Two. Number one. What's number one, my friend? Ken Pomponio, the new managing editor at PlayColorado.com. I agree with totally went with Terrell Davis and Super Bowl 32. Hmm. What do you remember for that game? I remember <laughs> the one thing that stands out is when I interned at the Fort Collins, Colorado one, 
longtime writer there, Tony Pfeiffer, joked that he didn't want to cover that Super Bowl because he looked at the line. And the line was the Packers were close to a two-touchdown favorite. And he's like, he covered the three previous Super Bowls with John Elway, the Giants, Redskins, 49ers. And he said, I want no part of a blowout loss. And I think going into that Super Bowl, that's what every fan was expecting. There was this great team that went on the road and beat Kansas City, beat Pittsburgh. Now they're the underdog again going into to Qualcomm Stadium, Jack Murphy Stadium, whatever it was called back in 98, in San Diego. They, they thought the Broncos could win it, and I was in this group, but we just weren't sure. We've been down this road before where we have an all-world quarterback, but now he finally has an offensive line, and he has a running back. And he has the defense to match it up. And as the game started to progress, you started to think, this is actually going to happen. And then you get into the second half. And then you get into the fourth quarter. And it just, this is going to happen. This is actually going to happen. And then when it finally does, it's just like the weight of the world was lifted off John Elway's shoulders. It was lifted lifted off of Broncos country's shoulders. And the two big reasons for that, Steve Atwater, who was included in Ken's write-up as the best performances. And if it wasn't for Terrell Davis, Steve Atwater would have been the Super Bowl MVP for that Super Bowl. What he did in that game is absolutely incredible. One of the best defensive performances ever, and that's with Von Miller. But Terrell Davis was absolutely the driver for that season, for those teams that went back-to-back. And then, of course, he had the migraine. So to come back in in the second half after dealing with a migraine and leading them to a win, the first Super Bowl MVP for the Broncos for a Super Bowl win, it was no doubt the right choice. Yeah. It's, it's almost like what's what's more difficult to go through six years without the playoffs or Elway getting so close so many times and then just not getting over the hump. I wonder if you could tap into that. Do you remember like the frustration you had? You had the drive and then they couldn't get it done. You had the drive too. They couldn't get it done. The He's getting to the Super Bowl. What's that? The fumble. Oh, the, oh my God. The fumble. Yeah, there, there were so many uh, amazing iconic moments there. What do you think was more frustrating? Not ever getting over the hump or sitting here with six years without the playoffs? I would rather live through getting to the Super Bowl and not winning than what we're going through right now. Yeah. Because at least then there was hope. You had what I feel is the best quarterback to ever play football, and that's John Elway. Now we're going through this where you have to go back to the 1960s and early 1970s to see this kind of run and futility for this organization. Chris Fowler mentioned it on the ESPN broadcast against the Chiefs on Saturday. And he said as a Broncos fan, a lifelong Broncos fan, Chris Fowler, you have to go back 45 years for the Broncos to have back-to-back losing seasons. They're now Mm. at five. Five straight losing seasons. That's just unheard of, especially when you consider the Pat Bolin era from 1984 to 2016, where he had more Super Bowl appearances than losing seasons. And now we're... stuck in this never-ending cycle of losing seasons, not competing, irrelevancy, and not contending. Get that owner right, and things are going to fall in place from there. Ian, plug the stuff, play Colorado. 
the Twitter handle. I always appreciate you hopping on the show. Absolutely. I always enjoy chatting with you too, Holden. PlayColorado.com is your one-stop shop for betting advice, insight, analysis, news to help make you a safer and smarter better. And you can follow me at Ian St. Clair and at Colorado underscore play. Hi, right, buddy. Coming up next on the Denver CityCast presented by Bet Rivers, old co-worker of mine, now a Vegas insider. It is Kevin Rogers to break down the NFL playoffs next on the Denver CityCast. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Must be 21 and located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, welcome back. It is the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Uh, Kevin Rogers from Vegas Insider. Go way back with this man. We worked in Kansas City together. Uh, is it really almost 20 years now, Kevin? Yep. Almost 20 years? I didn't have facial hair back then. I still can't grow a beard, but you're doing a fine job on it. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. And it was 2003 when 610 special at the time 61 sports and went to 610 sports eventually with 2003. So 18 years because we just started 2022, but like 18 years ago, it's crazy. You look the same. Oh, gosh. Long. <laughs> well, <laughs> my belly doesn't look the same. <laughs> the other, maybe but the your others. face looks the same, though. You haven't aged. You've aged. Yeah, you've that's aged, like, all that matters. Macchio. Yeah, I made the lighting a little bit darker, too, so it actually makes me look like I have a tan. Okay, my friend, uh, let's get into this. We'll go game by game, and then we'll get you out of here. But we discussed the Raiders and the Bengals. I really don't have a great read on this game. Uh, the Raiders just continue to buck the odds. Like, how the hell are they in this, this position after what happened to them with a head coach that, yeah, honestly, I, had, I, I really thought he was clueless a couple of times this year. And on the other side, who cares about this 31-year thing with the Bengals, okay? I don't care. This is this year. Can you back Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor, all these guys in their first playoff games, or is this a thing where the Raiders can get things done? It's not like the Raiders have a ton of experience either, though. No, they don't. And Derek Carr doesn't really have a lot of playoff experience either For in, in spite of how much he's played in the NFL. And unfortunately, the one year he almost won the MVP, he got hurt before the playoffs. And they end up losing in that first round to Houston. But I just look at, at the Raiders as a great story, number one, that they had the Gruden thing. They won a few games after Gruden got fired. Then they had the Ruggs thing. They totally went in the tank. And then at the end of the year, they won four straight. They had six walk-off wins or wins in the final seconds this year, which is unbelievable. They should have lost the Ravens game. They should have lost the Dolphins game. They... The Browns game, they had kicked a late field goal. They had a lot of opportunities where they could have lost games this year, and they didn't, which is a sign of, you know, it's a good team. They got some grit. But on the flip side, you mentioned holding the Bengals. And for Joe Burrow having this great season, Jamar Chase having an unbelievable rookie year, Zach Taylor, a guy that was with the Rams, so I'm, not, I, I'm certain that he's not going to be, you know, afraid of the stage. For the Bengals, you can get to the second round of the playoffs by beating a Raider team that's not New England, that's not, I mean, 
even a Pittsburgh. I mean, I know how, how much bends over the hill, but you're facing out of those coaches, the most inexperienced coach on the other side with their interim guy who's done a great job. I just think that Cincinnati here, that this is their time. They can really seize the moment. And the Raiders are really playing with house money. They've done that for four weeks. They had no business being in the playoffs four weeks ago. And somehow they found a way to win all these uh, close games. I just think that, that their time is probably up. And the Bengals, super talented team, going to Cincinnati. The uh, weather won't be great. It won't be like Vegas where it's under control there in the Dome. I think the Bengals take care of business here. Uh, you're making some great points here. <clears throat> Raiders plus five and a half on the road. But Bengals are red hot too. The total is interesting because Derek Carr has struggled in cold weather. I, I don't feel like the Bengals are going to have a tough time scoring. So maybe looking at their team total to the over. What do you think of the total though at 49? Because to me... That's a little bit thick. The first time they played in Vegas, it was 51. And this game was 32-13. The Bengals won it. But what a lot of people don't realize, Holder, they don't remember, this was a 13-6 game going to the fourth quarter. And mm -hmm. the Bengals got a couple touchdowns late. They scored a bunch of points uh, late in that game, 19, in fact, in the fourth quarter. So the Bengals kind of blew that thing open where the Raiders hung with them. And that was also... After, you know, the Raiders, they were in that slump. Uh, that was after they got blown out by the Chiefs on Sunday night the week before. And the Bengals, they were struggling too. The only minus I have with the Bengals here, and that was after they lost by 25 at home to the Browns. So both those teams were off home blowouts going into that game at Allegiant Stadium. But my only negative here with the Bengals is, I know they won their final two home games, but I feel like they weren't great at home. They had that Charger loss. The Niners, they were down big in that one before they rallied back. The Browns blew them out. They lost to the Packers in overtime. That's the only thing I'm afraid of is that Cincinnati didn't have a great home field advantage. And Holden, even in that Kansas City game, they were down two touchdowns in that game. They had to make a massive comeback. Jamar Chase had the game of his life. And then what happened at the end with the 27 shots from the one the Bengals had and they couldn't get in, that – my only negative with Cincinnati is how much I trust them at home. I just don't know how much the Raiders can really keep this going. But as far as the total goes, I can see this one, both teams in the 20s and probably staying under. Yeah, that's that's my lean right now in this game. Uh, I, I love cold weather games too. I need some snow. Maybe we can get some lake effect snow in Buffalo. Patriots at the Bills. Uh, you know my thoughts on this game. Divisional game. Uh, Patriots, uh, Bill's very familiar with each other. I'm going to lean the Patriots here. Um, totals 44 and a half. I could see this thing going under. Any thoughts on the Patriots and the Bills this week? I mean, man, can they ever get good weather games there? I mean, seriously, they have a windstorm last time, and this is like nine <laughs> degrees. Saturday night, of course. Not Saturday afternoon, <laughs> but the Saturday night game where the weather's freaking awful there in Buffalo. But a couple of things with New England. I looked this one up for, for you, Holden. Last time Belichick was a dog in the playoffs was that Kansas City overtime win a few years ago when uh, the Patriots ended up playing the Rams in the Super Bowl. They beat the Chiefs. That was, you know, all those crazy things happened in that game. Last time the Patriots were a dog in the playoffs. So, and it, I think it's three times since 08 they've been a dog. And really it's two because one of them was the Patriots Seahawks Super Bowl, which was a pick em, couldn't plus one. So the Patriots are not in this role normally as an underdog in the playoffs. And obviously Brady's not there. That has mm -hmm. something to do with it. But with Buffalo, they played well down the stretch. They had their lull of a little bit. And they had that big win over New England a few weeks ago at Foxborough. 
I still kind of remember that Monday night game in which New England ran all over them. But on the flip side, though, uh, Holden, Buffalo still had chances at the end of that game. Josh Allen had uh, one incomplete pass that was broken up in the end zone and then another one on fourth down. They had chances in that game in spite of everything that felt like was going against Buffalo in that game. They still had chances to win. And now you're not going to have that crazy win. I want to lean towards Buffalo because I don't know how much I trust Mac Jones in this spot. And Josh Allen, at least, he has some playoff experience. They beat the Ravens last year at home. They hung with the Chiefs for a bit at Arrowhead in the AFC Championship. I just don't think I, I have enough of the faith in Mac Jones to make big plays in this game. Wow. Wow. So you are going to side with the Bills in this one, huh? I, I don't love it, but, yeah, I'm going to side with the Bills. Okay. We're on opposite sides here. Ooh, Kevin. I don't I know if we could be friends New anymore. New England covered. It wouldn't shock me at all. You have Belichick on the other side. Like, it's not about yeah. – but you have a different dynamic here because the first time – it felt like an asterisk a little bit, asterisk, however you say it. That it first meeting, because of all the, the wind and stuff, that's not going to happen again. Then the second meeting, Buffalo stomped them. Hmm. It'll be interesting. Belichick going to the playoffs, maybe trying to slow things down, run the football a ton. Um, and, you know, he didn't have an answer for Josh Allen uh, the last time, and we'll see if he could do it this time. The under's also staring at me, though, Kevin. It has like, to. If you don't like if you don't like Mac Jones, then you gotta like the under. But do you also go to that train of thought? It worked the first time. We kept Josh Allen off the field. Mm -hmm. Let's just run the ball, run the ball, see how it goes, and keep the Bills offense off the field and just go with that gameplay. Because Belichick was brilliant the first time, then the second time, it's it's just like a normal game plan, and Buffalo ran up. So I wonder, do you go back then and say, Mac, we're taking the ball out of your hands? It'll be interesting. Uh, th this, to me, this Saturday game, I like both games. I really do. I hope they're both close, too. But we get outdoor, cold-weather games. It's so much fun. And then we go to Sunday. It'll be hot and gross in and, and Tampa. You know, the Eagles are coming to town. It's an eight-and-a-half-point spread, 47-and-a-half total. I don't know if I'm going to get involved in this game outside of a player prop or two because eight and a half is quite a bit. Brady's not been as good without Antonio Brown, but then again, it's Brady going up against guys that have never been in the playoffs. Jalen Hurts, you know, Sirianni head coach. It's a really uphill battle for the Eagles, isn't it? I think so. Here, here's where, here are my negatives with the Bucs. I know they're getting guys back, but they went through that run last year holding to the Super Bowl, winning at Washington. I know they were favored, and they faced Tyler Han uh, Taylor Heineke. Mm -hmm. But at Washington, at New Orleans, at Green Bay, and somehow they, they had the Super Bowl at home, just because of coincidence. But they didn't play any home games during the playoffs last year. So now you're first time at home. And not to say that Brady can't handle it. Brady can handle anything. But that kind of concerns me where the last two games, actually last three games they played, against the Chiefs, against the Packers, against the Bucks, They were an underdog in all of them. Now you're laying eight and a half points against this Philadelphia team who, again, was projected not to do a lot this year. And Sirianni's thing is run the ball, run the ball, don't have Jalen Hurts make mistakes. I'm going to throw out the Dallas game at the end of the year because Gardner Minshew played. The Eagles, I, I, know, I hate to use the term tanked it, but they just want to get out of there. They were in the playoffs already, so that game meant nothing to them. They won four in a row before that. Again, now back to negative town. You beat Washington twice, you beat the Giants, you beat the Jets. Before that, they beat New Orleans. Uh, I think Kamar was out of that game. They went to Denver, 
beat the Broncos. You know all about the Broncos. They have no offense. They beat Detroit. So Philadelphia didn't really beat a lot of great teams this season. But also with Tampa Bay, who they beat down the stretch? Who they played? Carolina twice, the Jets, Atlanta, yeah. the Giants. They held off Buffalo. They got shut out by the Saints at home. I I don't want to feel like I'm sold on the Eagles because they're going to uh, – they could get run. But also at the same time, I feel like I don't want to blindly just take Brady. I don't. When they were, in a sense, under the radar, I felt, in the playoffs last year. No one thought they could make that run, and they did. That now the Bucks are one of the favorites, I mean, obviously behind the Packers, but that they can do it and that people are discounting the Eagles so much. I feel like if the Eagles can just run the ball somewhat efficiently and keep Brady off the field, maybe they have a shot here to – Keep it close. I know you say don't take teams, don't take underdogs unless you think they could win. But you hope that they could hang within seven-ish. Hope this line goes up. I'd lean Eagles, Holden. Lean, but I don't love it. I want nothing to do with that game. Maybe a Mike Evans touchdown, but then again, it gets slay. So that might he scored 11 of his 14 touchdowns at home, but he's got a very tough matchup this week. Um so three games left. We'll gloss over the Steelers and the Chiefs, Cardinals, Rams. It's this Niners-Cowboys game I want to get into. I told you earlier, I did bet the uh, Niners plus three and a half. I can easily, you know what? I, I really got to start talking to myself, talking myself maybe into betting the Niners on the money line too. Um, you know why? Well, I, I just love the makeup of the San Francisco team right now. Awful start. They've been red hot when they went seven and nine down the stretch. Great running game. They can control the clock. And how inconsistent have the Cowboys been to this point, right? So I'm getting three and a half here. The total's 50 and a half. That actually kind of looks interesting too. I don't, I, in a playoff game, over 50 and a half in a dome. Talk to me. Niners, Cowboys, anything here? Anything? I'll give you something. Anything. Any, anything? All right. So here's the thing with Dallas. And, and I know. It seems like a broken record holding, talking about some of the teams that they've played, and the NFC East stinks, even though Philadelphia's in the playoffs. You beat Philly in the in the finale. Again, you can throw it away if you want because Hurts didn't play. Washington, you know, is terrible. They beat them twice. Giants are terrible. The Saints, uh, again, with uh, Taysom Hill on that Thursday night. And again, the Saints actually hung around it for a little bit before Taysom Hill threw the three straight interceptions. Beat Atlanta at home. That Dallas beat up on a lot of teams, at least late in the season, that aren't very good. San Francisco, we know, is very good. And they're a team two years ago led Kansas City in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. They had that game in their hands. They don't give up Patrick Mahomes long pass to Tyreek Hill. They probably win that Super Bowl. Last year, a ton of injuries derailed them. And it just goes to show you, for as much crap as Jimmy uh, Jimmy Garoppolo takes, Nick Mullins. Even Trey Lance, these guys come in. They're not the answer. Garoppolo mm-hmm. is better than them. You saw how much they struggled without Garoppolo last year. Even the times Trey Lance played this year, so what? You beat Houston at home. You were down at the half, or it was a close game at the half. You had, a, you had to break it open the second half against Houston with Trey Lance. So Garoppolo, he took a lot of crap for that Titans game and that Thursday night holding. But besides that, they lost to Seattle on the road at Tennessee. I always like to look at this. Were you favored or not? favored at Tennessee, favored at Seattle. Now you're a dog here against Dallas. And I just look at this Niner team as a lot better than what we saw early in the season. And a lot of people forget this. They lost to Green Bay at home early in the season. 
Seattle, when they were playing better, even the Colts in that monsoon, they were up early in that game and the Colts came back and won. That San Francisco lost to some pretty quality teams this year. I know they got swept by the Seahawks. Fine. And you had a dud against Arizona with Colt McCoy, at quarterback. Fine. But they're still a pretty good team. They're well coached. Kyle Shanahan, he's another guy that, that, that takes a lot of stuff just because I don't know what it is. He's been very up and down. But San Francisco playing well. Dallas has the weapons. We hear all of the, the, the talk surrounding them. They'll get Micah Parsons back this week. It, it's going to be an excellent game. It, it really is. My concern with the 49ers is, are, do you have momentum from the Rams game, or did you put it all out there for the Rams game to get in the playoffs? Because New Orleans was on their way to get in, Holden. New Orleans was easy street against Atlanta, and yeah. San Francisco was out. So you put everything into that Rams game. You beat the Rams twice you've had success with. Do you have enough in the in the gas tank against the Cowboys? That's what concerns me about San Francisco. But I still I still think they're a good look. All right. Last Sunday game, Steelers Chiefs. Not I, I don't want in on this. Possibly a live bet, maybe a player prop. And then the Cardinals Rams, which I actually I, I am planning on live betting this thing. Because I'd love to get the Rams under that three and a hook. It's it's four, four and a half, three and a half, depending on where you shop. Four at uh, Bet Rivers. So nothing pregame for me, likely on the Rams and the Cardinals. Live bet if I get the Rams three or less. Chiefs, Steelers, Rams, Cardinals. Do you have a bet here? Do you have a play here? Or maybe it's something you're looking at closer to game time. Chiefs, Steelers is a pass just because. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh got run by them the first time, and the Steelers, they're all right. They're not a playoff team, and we know why they got in because of all the circumstances last week with the Colts and the Chargers. So the the Chiefs, we know what they could put up on any given week. Just wonder Tyreek Hill's status as far as his um, you know effectiveness going into the game. We know what Mahomes can do, and we know how, how, uh, how that offense has been. That Monday night game is so intriguing, holding that Cardinals-Rams game, because the road team won each of the first two matchups. Arizona went in and ran L.A. That first meeting. And remember, McVegas had uh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury's number. And Kingsbury, that was a great game plan, beat the Rams the first time at SoFi Stadium. Second time around that Monday night, back and forth game in the first half, then the Rams ended up pulling away. Stafford had that long touchdown pass to start the third quarter, and pretty much the Rams ended up – winning that game comfortably. But Arizona was so bad down the stretch at home, losing five straight, especially losing the Seahawks last week to cap it off. I think them going on the road where they're eight and one is a really good thing for the Cardinals here is getting away from home because they had so much either bad luck against the Packers or just bad performances against Carolina that they now need to be on the road. And the Rams, I'm telling this, Holden, I believe in this. There's so much pressure on this team because of everything that they've done, getting Beckham, getting Von Miller. They just got Eric Weddle. The Super Bowl's at SoFi Stadium. Now seeing Tampa Bay last year winning the Super Bowl at home, that there's so much pressure on them to do this. Staffers never won a playoff game. I don't know how much I trust the Rams in the spot. I really don't. And if the Cardinals are healthy enough, I don't see why they couldn't uh, win this game or at least lose by a field goal. All right. Very good. I like it. Uh, you and I are on different sides of things here. We'll see how they fall out. Go go plug everything that you're doing here. Vegas Insider, the Twitter handle, uh, whoever cuts your hair, you know, go for it. Whatever you want to plug, my friend. 
Well, it's the it's yeah, the gel. Really nice. It's not the haircut. It's the gel that does that does the job. Okay. Vegas Insider. You can find uh, me here, and also our YouTube channel at Vegas Insider. We have the Daily Insider Monday through Friday, noon Eastern, and we uh, go over everything in the sports betting world. Also, my Twitter handle is bi rogers r o g e r s no d like Aaron r o g e r s and that's it. And I've known Holden for a long time. He's just wonderful at what you do, too. Um, we're going to get out of here right now. want to remind everybody of the show bet today. I know I'm an underbetter. I'm actually taking the over. 148.5 on Bet Rivers, minus 108 with uh, Colorado State and Utah State tonight. Thank you very much to K-Raj and, of course, Ian St. Clair from PlayColorado.com. I'll be back tomorrow. We're going to talk to uh, the chief trader over there at Bet Rivers and figure out how we're setting the lines for the NFL playoffs. And if we could handicap the Broncos head coaching search, where we would put those odds at. For K Raj and Ian, I'm Holden. Thanks to Steven behind the scenes. And thank you for checking out the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.